This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. (laughs) Boy! Thanks for coming back to 90 for Chill, the podcast. This is your host, Cool Movies Darth, Russ Stevens, if you're using your smart home devices to find this podcast. Not much I really want to talk about because this is going to be a long episode. I have my guests, Sports Balls, and uh, an idiot says what participant, one Timothy Loss, who's coming on to talk about a movie that meant a lot to him back when he was just discovering indie cinema. One where we find a lot of stuff to discover in, and that is Roadside Prophet starring John Doe, the driving force of the punk band X, and Adam Horovich, better known as DJ Adrock of the Beastie Boys. This is going to be the 90s attempt at Easy Rider, and we're going to speak fondly of it. Oh, sorry, spoiler alert. I really need to wrap this up otherwise, because as I say, it's going to be a long episode, nearly two hours after this intro, and of course a trailer for the movie, Tradition. So not much to report in my life. There is a bit of tragedy, though. Uh, One of my good friends, one of my few friends outside of work in Champaign-Urbana, Brandy Stoneham, recently lost one of her cats. He was just shy of 12 years old. Wouldn't you know it, quite the trooper didn't make a fuss about anything and i got the vibe that he was quite the protector so thanks for everything you did for us little avery and here's to the rainbow bridge of course let's just get through all the formalities if you want to be on the podcast send an email to rustabus 7 at gmail.com that's r-u-s-s-t-h-e-b-u-s-0-7 at gmail.com just offer me a movie, a theme, an actor, a director. Just keep the content to movies under 100 minutes. If you want to do the work and see if those credits shouldn't really count, go right ahead. A lot of options when you do that. Otherwise, you know, rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast apps. And if you want to talk trash about the podcast, please do that at CatBusRuss on Twitter. That's at C-A-T-B-U-S-R-U-S-S. So I don't think I really need to say much more, and let's get into the show. Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. Somewhere between Barstow and Reno. El Dorado. Why do you want to go there anyway? Because of this. You selling drugs? It's ashes. Met this guy. Joe Mosley. Dave Coleman. And he had the coolest ride. And just died. On the bike? No. Playing some video game. Wow, which one? Sam and Joe are going to hit reality head on. What do you guys do? You ride. Outlaws, huh? I know how it is. Start out, you roll through a few stop signs. Remember Billy Idol? What you want to be on the lookout for is transcendent reality. Seeing in, seeing out. I want you to look around. Just look around. Tell me what you see. A whole society that's obsessed with feeling good and happy. Come on. Why do you like sex? I don't know. Because it feels good. Free food for the 
Together, they'll discover that Motel 9 is a state of mind. Man, there was no wrapping on one of my drinking glasses. There was no bath soap in my room. You... But I, I, I... And El Dorado ain't no Cadillac. They got these fish up here called queewees or something. And when they get old, they get big. And when they get big, they get feet. John Doe. Adam Horowitz, David Carradine, Timothy Leary, Arlo Guthrie, and John Cusack. If you're going to think, don't drive. I guess if you want to die in the violent vampire decline, it's up to you. Roadside Prophets, a film by Sid and Nancy's Abby Wool. All right, well... Uh, thanks again for tuning in the 90 for chill the podcast uh, this week I've got a first time guest and I really a first time conversation the world of Facebook makes everybody think they're a lot closer than they are <laughs> so that's the truth <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I have uh, Tim Loss on the line and uh, I do believe you have a podcast of your own if I was uh, researching you well enough <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I have a podcast. Uh, it's pretty much, you can find it everywhere, YouTube, Twitch, uh, pretty much your normal podcast stations and also your lives. It's called Sports Balls. Uh, it's live every uh, Sunday, 8 Central. And what we do is talk about sports that don't get a lot of coverage. Like uh, last week, we did Extreme uh, Sitting, which is a German sport where they have a special stool and they do extreme tricks while sitting and we try to make funny jokes about that and cover mm -hmm. sports news and on tuesdays you can see me uh do an idiot says what season two is in current uh revamp we're pre-recording it should be out by march very cool um i think i don't know might not be uh might not be right on this but um i've had a frequent guest of gregory carl here on on the podcast uh has he ever shown up on that or did I, yeah, um... he's actually uh, he's our esports correspondent. Oh, I said did... sports balls. Weird. Uh, we have a rotating cast. Uh, we try to make it like a very, a very uh, how can I put it? A uh, low rent, funny ESPN show, like Sports Center from way back in the day. And right. we all have our designated. Like I'm the leader of Redneck Sports. So, oh, okay. You know. So. Um... But yeah, uh, Greg's uh, Gregory's been on there uh, for the last two or three months, and it's been very funny, and it's awesome to have him. It's kind of actually how uh, I met you on Facebook. Like I right. just assumed, oh, you know Gregory, so we're friends now. So that's yes. just how that works. Welcome to Facebook. Yep, um, I'm more of a Twitter fan myself, but uh, that's just more or less because I think everybody gets way too comfortable on Facebook. Like, yeah, um, you know little little professionalism I'll, I'll take my um at most 140 <laughs> followers uh, over my uh like i i usually go on a site on a um birthday facebook uh boycott just because i don't really know um you know sincere or routine uh wishes of wellness i guess 
Yeah, I no. see, that's, uh, I guess we're both right on that. Uh, I always hated my birthday on Facebook. I've actually said it where they can't say happy birthday. You always get those people you've never met. And they want to act like you're, you know, it's a little weird. Yeah. But, uh, so, uh, but uh, yeah, I have it set up, which causes a different dilemma because now they private message me, which oh, is a whole geez. different can of worms. Right, right. So um, I'm probably right for uh, my uh Oh, yeah, you overall. are. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So. Yep. So that's, um, I guess that's a good way to get to know each other. And it's kind of a uh, fitting that, you know, there's a degree of awkwardness, uh, judging that the uh, movie I put out there uh, was Roadside Profits, uh, starring John Doe from the, uh, well, it's really uh, more just uh, difficult to say the band name because you'd like, it's like everybody knows Smashing Pumpkins, but you know, um, of course, I think the f- official title is The Smashing Pumpkins. Um, and John Doe was the uh, primary driving force behind X. Not the X. No way. X. Yeah. That's, that's. Uh, that's, uh, I'm sorry, big Guitar Hero fan. Mm-hmm. They uh, did uh, Rock in the 80s, Los Angeles. Yep. Uh, ba- based out of L.A. Oh, wow. All right. I didn't know that. Uh, right. Was, well, that's really cool. I, I thought he looked familiar, and I thought it was because uh, John Doe was more my. I uh, growing up, he was in another movie called uh, Pure Country. You see, I. George Strait's uh, movie, and my mom loved it, so I uh, watched it a lot. Well, you see, my first exposure to John Doe, which as a guy with, um, you know, a bikini kill tattoo on him, uh, which means. You know, I, I've got a love for punk, but my first exposure to the John Doe was Roadhouse. Yeah. So, and then I'm just on Pandora, you know, gosh, eight years ago. And, um, oh, the, you know, just pun- punching in punk bands and whatever music comes along. And, oh, the, oh, X, that's cool. John Doe, the guy from the nephew of, uh, the antagonist from uh roadhouse the bartender who was skimming yeah yeah no that's another he has that like once you see him in the movie like uh i think it's really what helps the movie along too because he, he has that familiar face yeah because um, he's been in some uh, definitely some movies uh i'm not gonna say like avatar hits but definitely classics that have spanned a few few if not five or six years or maybe a decade or two right so, uh, it kind of works out for him right so i'd say about um let's just say 87 to 90 this movie came out in 92 so maybe a little further i didn't uh do too much wiki work on his uh filmography um but you know and well, then I, w- I-, I wish i did more i got so caught up on his name because I thought that's got to be worst stage name ever for an actor, John Doe. Right, but uh, yeah, I, but, the, but for a punk name, it's kind of rad. I right, mean, that's, that kind of goes into it a little bit. Yep, yep. So I mean, which again kind of plays into everything going around this movie. It was written by, um, I believe it's Abby Wool and directed by Abby Wool. Um, the movie we're talking about, if I haven't mentioned the title, is uh, Roadside Prophets. Um, and he's probably best known for writing Sid and Nancy. So, 
And, oh dang! All right, yeah. right. So it it it's kind of so this is kind of like showing my weaknesses and that I'm was didn't never had my finger on the pulse, I guess, because I haven't seen Sid and Nancy. And essentially, this would be uh, Generation. I don't want to say X. Um, well, I guess it, it all depends on who you're, who you are. I mean, as they uh, address it in this movie, um, John Doe would have been old enough to be drafted. I think he was born in 58. And I think he did shoot this movie when he was 32, when I did the math. So it works out, but it, um, then you have Adam Horwitz, uh, Horowitz, Horvish, uh, Adrock, DJ Adrock. <laughs> from the beastie boys who i obviously knew but again i didn't really know him until i'm finding all these codes for nba jam tournament edition and you know the special celebrity stuff so you got bill clinton you got hillary clinton you got george clinton but then you had uh, one of those movies where the i'll be honest with you i rewatched it today to get prepped in here uh and um, it might be one of those movies where the back lore might be better than the movie itself because the layers itself, like uh, we're talking about John Doe a lot, but Sam even yeah. uh, went to write on for uh, Amy Schumer and did a lot of co- comedy. Well, he's a member. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, he's a me- he's a founding member of the Beastie Boys. I mean, right. Well, I didn't even think like that's insane that he played this and then did uh, all that like that's what blew my mind even more is that he's he has tons of oh. uh writing credits uh out, out of the wazoo which i just maybe i didn't look into it enough but it was impressive on just first glance like well i'm a i'm a big riot girl um fan i mean i've seen all three well i guess all three of the major um kathleen hannah bands uh bikini kill julie, julie ruin and latigra um and no as i say i didn't see any of her dc bands that were pre pre bikini kill but and like it's funny when i saw finally got to see bikini kill at riot fest uh 2019 you know she was telling or no i think it may have been uh when i saw julie ruin in 2017 you know she's um just talking about stuff and how like everybody was praising ad rock and the bc boys and stuff and then she you know she gets criticisms like you're a woman over 30 why do you (laughs) what are you doing in music um so it's actually kind of fun and fitting that you know the most i don't know the thing that really makes me care about punk music and i didn't really like I don't know, growing up in Peoria on the wrestling scene, that's my background. So my 20s was pro wrestling, 30s was hospitality and trying to get my screenplay made in the event of the dead sold. And um, my 40s is now podcasting. Um, so, I mean, I knew like the super suckers were big in the wrestling scene, at least fandom wise. Um, knew all the guys from i'm no angel and peoria i don't know where you're based out of um uh, well uh, southern illinois what, okay the, the thing is with us um around here i'd say with our area new metal hit really hard 
but yeah. we liked uh, more Metallica and, and metal and, and not so much on the punk. And I don't know why as much. It, it just, I think that's what a lot of the garage bands around here yeah, were doing. No, I don't, so that's I don't what think... kind of the local, uh, but uh, yeah, this I don't think... movie mm-hmm. is punk rock. I oh, yeah. A lot. Oh, well, like, as I this say... is so in so many ways, um, like just on the structure of just normal movies this is oh this is not one of those no no um it's really a throwback and it's an interesting time uh because i would go back and say that uh you know we had um like i can't recall a lot of attempts to recapture easy rider and i'll be up front i have not watched easy rider um but this is one of those movies though at this point that's been reviewed so much. I haven't either, but yeah, I feel like but I we, have. Right, right, exactly. Um, so with Easy, uh, so this is another movie. This is a movie. I I can't really recall anything in the eighties. Definitely trying to recapture um, Easy Rider. I mean, you had your road trip movies. I mean, Pee Wee's yeah. Big Adventure. Um, I guess you'd say planes, trains, and automobiles, which I've never seen. I did see the, I but I did see um, a uh, group called Scripts on Watt, uh, Gone Watt, not not Scripts Gone Wild, is it? Um, I don't, I can't remember. It was at C two E two a couple months ago. Uh, something with tunes because it was all voice actors, like the guy who. Oh. Um, Jim Cummins, the guy best known for Winnie the Pooh. Um, so a bunch of voice actors basically reading, doing a script reading of planes, trains, and automobiles, but changing Ooh. the voices every scene. So you got uh, Winnie Winnie the Pooh stealing the cab from uh, uh, shoot. Oh, I could think of all that. Yeah, like right. uh, the cab sequence with what he's especially with the high pitched voice. Right. Afterwards. So the guy so the, the lawyer who steals the cab from Steve Martin is done as Winnie the Pooh, and Steve Martin's actually done is the voice actors doing uh John C. Riley. So Okay. Nice. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Well, that's so creative. But I'm just saying, like that. Yeah, that was another eighties road trip movie. I can't really say anybody's gone for there was a Anything, there was he, another one that I would think would fit more. I think it's called Panorama, but it was a surreal one where an orphan kid was uh, going around the desert collecting cards from gas stations. Huh. Well, that, it's, that kind really, of- it's really hard to find and it's surrealistic, kind of like it's a because when I was looking up the uh, Roadside Profits, something we were watching, my wife asked me, What genre is it? And if I was like, Well, it, it is kind of like a road trip, but like broader terms i was like maybe comedy it's its own thing you know yeah. we looked it up and it says comedy but this is kind of what i i, I uh, uh surreal uh almost a surreal um uh, out of world experience in a road trip in some aspects of this yeah. because like uh i know we'll get into it but uh david carradine's uh, cameo in this was oh, yes <laughs> that scene i was like what and then i did some research and apparently he walked off the set. He was, it was supposed to have a whole different ending with him involved. And I was trying to think, how would that work? Because their ending that they do have seems fitting. Yes. Uh, 
maybe maybe a little forced but definitely fitting to everything that there and that was probably one of the perks that i had was Andy. uh do, how do you i'm sorry do you do it structurally like from beginning to end or is it just like oh no riff? no we we just uh i got i got a bunch of notes i took from the movie uh which is same and uh, just go go from there. I guess we could uh, just go over though a plot synopsis uh, for the sake of our audience. So let me get back to that one. I've kind of been doing a new dual screen thing. Kind of got used to that at my uh, bullshit job at Marine Bank, um, having a Surface tablet as I'm blogging, and then like, oh yeah, no, you, the sheer fact that you're blogging is the reason we fired you. Um, <laughs> Well, uh, see, on this, uh, I started this movie. Yeah, and uh, I was like, I'm going to be analyst, and you know, really take notes, mm-hmm. try to think, what does this mean about this? And I got halfway through, and I realized I don't, I don't think it's meant to be. Like no, that no, no, at uh, all. So that I gave that up because I was trying to think of this and that. I'm like, nah, this is a, this is definitely just a come along for the ride type movie. Yes, it is. Um, it remind, and when I was saying that. Um, the 80s didn't really have those uh, road trip movies where it's about uh, got something, you know, feels like something deeper. And I'm trying to get this. Come on. Yeah. Um, um, it's like. Um, I could throw, I'll throw my. Uh, what's amazing is uh, John Doe, his name's Joe Mosley. He, make, uh, he meets up with uh, a buddy. I forget even the buddy's name. Well, but, he meets up with uh, just a guy off work. Like he's oh, just yeah, no, Dave, on bikes. Uh, Dave. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, Dave. Yeah. You'll I'll we'll talk to Stopsis, but me forgetting Dave's name's not really a big deal. He's yeah. he's more of a prop in most of the Oh movies. yeah, no. It's I got I got my things about him. I'm try, I was just trying to search for Panorama and it's kind, but, of, a yeah, tough, uh, kind of a tough IMDB on that one. But so but the movie starts with uh, you know, your typical guys leaving their um bullshit job in a factory i guess this is probably illinois uh, not illinois geez, uh california oil scene i mean you always see those uh drills but you never really think oil in california but yeah you know, watch enough trauma movies looking for um cheap cheap backdrops um so there so it's uh joe mosley is the uh pr- protagonist and he's just getting on his classic uh, 57 Harley. And a new somebody who just got hired goes onto his bike and is just bitching about everything. Like the cough, you know, I, they dock me for being 20 minutes late and the yeah. coffee sucks. And uh, Joe, a character out of my, like, it's very hard not to relate to Joe because, uh, um, and it, it even goes further. Um, but you know, like, no, you got to bring your own coffee, which is what I do, <laughs> uh, whenever I go to work for the most part. And, uh, um, well, I related with them so much. Uh, maybe you do too, because I'm, I'm, we're both in Illinois when they said like, what is there to do for fun? And then they had a montage of just cruising around the town, the industrial area, like for the longest time, like what they had to do, there isn't really much, even though they're in California or close to LA, Uh, what they like doing is just hanging out, driving and maybe going to a bar. Right. Uh, 
So it's, I it's, thought that was I felt fitting to that because I was like, that's what's all that's here, man. Oh no, I mean, no, I'm from as I say, I'm from Peoria. At one point, we had five titty bars. Um, <laughs> uh, we one, had we had two titty barns. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's almost like bars, but they couldn't serve alcohol. You had to bring your own. But it was a barn in the middle of a field. Uh, shout out to Dix, Illinois. Uh, um, you know, I know a few. I know a few in Iowa from my time on the pro wrestling scene. Um, <laughs> so, which is the same thing. Like, yeah, it's a big ass warehouse, but we're dragging our coolers in. <laughs> like, it's a big. Uh, I, I would. I just said this my part. Illinois was just like, oh, we can't smoke in a bar. Well, we'll build a garage next to it that we can do everything in. It's just like all the bars now are small next to a huge, giant outdoor garage coliseums now. Well, but, uh, I'd say I'd say more um, around i i seventy four. We got decent decent beer gardens, but uh, oh, there you go. I mean, nice. it's not like I can't tell you where where you can where you can drink and smoke in Peoria, <laughs> and. Uh, I think it's those those are places more or less the cops don't want to actually deal with. Um which the, which was a uh I love the cop character in this. Oh uh, yes. Yeah. As we're doing our uh beginning sequence, I knew immediately uh the soundtrack was going to be just for the times. And it and out of all road trip movies, I think this has probably got the best soundtrack to fit. Right. In, uh, it was immediately kicks in and it just has that feeling the whole time where yeah. it's almost a, a nihilistic journey of purpose. Yes. Uh, no, that's, that's a, although it. that's a brilliant description. I mean, I get to more of that in my notes at the end, but uh, soundtracks by uh, pray for rain who were a, a post-punk band I, uh, up until I think uh, Sid and Nancy, and then they just did movies um so obvious so as i say sid and nancy obviously and um great great versatility in that i mean the soundtrack is awesome you got the pogues you do have john doe um a lot of other stuff which is uh really strong um it's one of those soundtracks after you get done you're gonna want to look it up yes exactly like you all you you may you may enjoy all the music, but there's going to be one track that's your favorite, and you're going to probably seek that one out and yep. maybe find a new band you have. Like that's why I remember. It's like when I first watched this movie, it was a perfect time in my life uh, because I was going through, I think, uh, feeling what the character felt a lot, oh. a lot at the time. Whereas, uh, maybe I don't have. Every he understands in my eyes, Joe, uh, especially at this point, understands. Hey, it's a job, it's life. Yeah, and he's there because of his circumstance. Right, he's got and, his, and he wants his... to do more, but he's kind of in this. Eh. Yeah, and that's how I felt when I first watched it too. Like taking the next step if I wanted to do my dreams or stay in the same rut that I'm kind of been in. It's comfortable. It'll do. It'll pay the bills, as he right. said when he met dave uh yeah it pays the bills yeah you got the ex-wife who's getting six hundred dollars a month alimony and i know that really right. isn't much alimony now uh inflation and all that bollocks but 600 is you know that's what i'm paying for my cheap apartment 
Well, people uh, remember gas was under a dollar. Then six hundred. He's he's not getting a lot of money home. Like that's right. He, she had a good lawyer, and he did not. Yes. That was a subtext, right? Then, so, um, I thought maybe this was a, a an attempt on counterculture because when they go to the bar, uh, Dave is playing video games, and this is what actually meets his untimely. Yes, he demise. gets electrocuted playing Dig Dug. I think it looked like Dig Dug. <laughs> it did. It did look. That's what I had in my notes too. A Dig Dug like knockoff is what I said, uh, and I thought maybe they were trying on that because it's weird during the movie once he starts his journey. And maybe it's just characters, but it's odd PSAs. They yes. just kind of slip in. And I, I didn't, that's why I thought maybe the movie was going for something more. But I think that was its parody, uh, maybe like its comedy moments, kind of poking fun. Um, this. The, and I, I don't ahead. know. Oh, well, I don't know if I would say parody. I mean, it's, I think it's more of just actually just laying it out right in front of you, the ridiculousness right. of it. Uh, par- okay. par- parody typically just rolls the punches like um naked gun say i mean just going yeah with, no with parody uh, it, it doesn't it, yeah it, it doesn't you know the actors just keep doing what they're supposed to be doing regardless of the fact like oh there's that tall guy who you never see the head of <laughs> like <laughs> um so that's um but what i would say is like and again, it gets back to what I'm, t- what I really kind of took from it as um, the '90s was a good time for cinema, and I don't know. I think we got blown, um, just fed up with the blockbuster stuff. And if you look at the returns in the late '80s, up until Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Rabbit and Batman, uh, movies weren't doing that well. And of course, they're throwing a hell of a lot of money into these movies. And so it's kind of like, okay, um, this doesn't work. And I think in the early 90s, um, like you got one major blockbuster a year. I'd say 88 is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. 89 is Batman. 90 is Home Alone. 91 was actually kind of weak. Um, but that's well, yeah, the, the, they were desperate. The way, just in my head, it, it makes sense because, as you were saying, they had a big boom. It was like Bloss, uh, B, I'd say 80, was it like 85, 87? You had some of the premier movie theater movies come out where it was just blockbuster after blockbuster, um, kind of how it seems now. Like, what is yeah, that? The no. Raiders of Lost Ark, Lethal uh, Weapon Time, uh, Ra- maybe well, you had eight, uh, late 80s, right? So, late eight, 81 was Raiders of Lost Ark, and you still had well, geez, I'm way off. You're okay, you got me good on this. 80, 80, 89 was uh, Last Crusade, so I would say, okay, cool, that's what I was kind of thinking. Okay, so I would say in the 80s, you had um. 80 you had empire strikes back 81 raiders 82 was et biggest movie of all time up until titanic uh 83 jedi 84 you had um temple of doom which obviously made a lot of bank uh 85 86 great movies but i can't say you had that major blockbuster in 84 also i you know i say 
Temple of Doom, Ghostbusters, the big one out of that one, actually. I, I forgot what year it is, but I cited my information from uh, the opening of UHF, Weird Al's movie. Yes. It which, opened up uh, like, is, right in the middle of just awesome stuff. Where oh, no. It's 80, a good movie, yeah, but it, it just got it, overshadowed. Right. And uh, I think even uh, Nickelodeon's whatever hip show they had at the time, um, Weird Al was a guest and like he did a magic eight ball and like, Will UHF be a hit? Yes, bigger than Batman. Like, so he, he so he already knew it was going to, it was, yeah, right. it was going to take VHS to get him, get him over. Uh, never done a UHF podcast, which I've tried to like say, hey, look, we could do UHF, we could do Walk Hard, a Spinal Tap, a lot oh of music my stuff. Lord. Uh, I don't want to get wise. too far off, but I yeah. do believe Walk Hard is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. It, it's really like, uh, just it dissects not only just those uh the movie biography movies, but right. also its source material. So yes, well. yeah, um, and it's funny like Walk Hard, like it's one of those weird ones again. Adam McKay produced, obviously uh, <laughs> produced. So of course you have Anchorman, and then you have the what is it the the unofficial sequel good afternoon uh ron burgundy or oh, something yeah. uh, well, which each, is all the cut stuff become, oh uh yeah the newest anchor man too i i bought the special it has a second bonus movie as well oh i didn't they know did they so did. much improv yeah, yeah each each anchor man has a separate movie entirely uh, that goes with them that uh was left on the cutting room floor that they re-edited it right used out Yep. So, I mean, so Walk Hard is qualifies for 90 for Chill the podcast if it's a theatrical theatrical cut. When I oh, rent yeah. when I rented it from Blockbuster, obviously I got the unrated and that's a good extra 30 minutes on top of everything and like which I hate to say it, I do recommend if you uh that one does have some of the extending of jokes sometimes oh. a little too far but it does sometimes round out jokes so, you, yeah every all know i'm pointing at my nose the one time the scene goes a little too far we yeah. all know that but maybe that's the point it, it burns in your head but uh, yeah oh no i i think it's still br- i mean i appreciate the two like if you if right. you got if you got gold and that's just the problem that i mean that's really the i guess the problem with 90 for chill you know i mean 90 90 minutes is like the ideal runtime i think that's the entire point of the podcast um right like but uh like i i i make an exception for like sequels like okay no universe is established now you got to build upon it so you're just throwing shit at the wall (laughs) i don't care how much much shit you throw at the wall but (laughs) This is what threw me uh, for roadside profits. That's what kind of threw me for the loop. That's why I kind of keep using go back to surrealistic, is because genuinely the main characters um, are likable, relatable. Yeah. Uh, you you root for them, but everyone they meet on this trip is insane, is, as is Sam insane, would say, cranked up to eleven to to the point where it. It's it's remarkable. Like uh, Dave passes away, so uh, Joe, being the nice guy, uh, they were talking, and yeah. Dave the whole time was talking about this place in Nevada called Jackpot, uh, El Dorado, El Dorado, yeah. where he, the, Jackpot okay. and yeah. all this, and uh, 
So he passes away. So Joe just decides I'm going to spend my money and my my non-existent sick days to fill out this guy's dream. It goes to the guy's family too, and I think that's the biggest. That's like that's the thing Joe's. that kicks it all off. Is like his Joe goes to so he meets he meets Dave. They go to a titty bar. Dave electrocutes himself on a video game, which honestly. I don't think that's too bad a way to go. Dying in a titty bar and and playing a, play, playing a video game. Yeah, I couldn't ask for more. So uh, this goes to so Angie, I guess, is a character you never see. She's only on the phone. She's in personnel and she's got a thing for uh, our character uh, Joe. And, yeah. and so basically she's offering like she's trying to woo Joe basically by giving him a bunch of breaks. Like, Oh, we can go, I can go and make that, make everything seem like Joe died on, on premises. So uh, that'll make up for the money you spent on a stranger's funeral. Cause they may have only Dave and Joe may have only known each other three hours. Cause they meet yeah. after work. And um, it was shorter than a Rocky montage. Oh, this is it, how long these guys like that it was an perfect. intro and they're yep. at the titty bar and that Dave, Dave died with a smile on his face. He did. Yep. He didn't get the extra life on Dig Dug. Right. Right. And uh, yeah, no Scott Pilgrim bullshit here. <laughs> Love Scott Pilgrim. I mean, um, Love it. yes, but um, so um basically he's not getting an extra life of confidence of the sort of achievement in this one to come back now dave's gone and he ends up in basically his gas can yes of his motorcycle so angie wants to get with joe we never see angie i don't even think she's got a picture on imdb um so she basically says well why are you paying for all this when he has a family which is a great actual setup for a character when he says, oh, I, I don't have any family. They all died in a car accident. That's why I ride a bike. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, so, all right. So Joe's going to try passing on at least the funeral expenses or at least just, you know, the ashes that he's taken out of the urn and poured into the gas tank of Dave's motorcycle. Which I have to I have to talk about because in my notes uh, he do, he's doing it because it comes in like an urn that looks like a trophy Dave's event he's yep. transporting it to the gas tank of uh, Dave's old bike and he's doing it the most haphazard way of it he didn't even make a paper funnel or nothing Dave is literally all over this guy's Whoa. it's on the bottom of his feet and yeah. I I know the montage like he sweeps it up but I was like. Dang, Joe! Like you're not like well, you didn't he, even try on this one. Well, he tried. He tried the newspaper funnel. I mean, yeah, I would have. <laughs> I would have. Uh, I would have gone to a gas station and got the uh, yeah. Got the bullshit oil ones they used to give you. Um, but then again, I don't have Angie hitting on me on the phone. While right. I'm trying to save so, my job while I'm pouring this guy I don't know in a gas tank. So I don't know his problems. I'm, yeah, I'm probably so, did better than expected. Right. So. uh so yeah, he takes the so he takes the ashes to Dave's family and the maid is just going to throw them out. So he goes grabs the ashes and he's going to get to El Dorado to 
you know, throw the, you know, to lay the ashes out, say at the two jacks, the three queens or the four kings, whatever the casino was. Right. And um, it's El Dorado, Nevada. And I guess this is where it really gets weird because then you have the um, character of Sam uh, played by Ad-Rock from the Beastie Boys, (laughs) which you meet Who, Sam- I'll, I'll be honest with you until you said beastie boys i'm a big beast i didn't even notice him i know facial like and that's what i'm gonna say i praise his experience because he plays this character which i'm gonna say is a character 100 almost an enigma of charisma yes to like a, a new level to where i didn't see him as anything other than literally sam the yeah no if, if i didn't yeah if i didn't go into it knowing that like i get this dvd from netflix um i'm grandfathered in so i'm still paying only 4.99 for two movies a month of course Ooh, taking nice. of course taking the time to watch two movies a month when you got all this streaming bollocks <laughs> is a challenge uh that's why i threw this out there like am i watching this one i mean i'm basically i'm watching it this week i'm going to try to actually get the most out of my netflix dvds um and uh oh well okay no cool very cool um so uh but you know i'm looking at this and it's like eh, you know how am i just gonna blow this off john doe and dj ad rock nope uh, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna take be extra focus on this one. This isn't. Uh, well, I shouldn't say I, I was pretty focused on JFK, the director's cut, when I got that in my mail. But, um, so yeah, it's a uh, so. Well, I guess the best analogy is when he goes off and starts this journey. This is the the key point in the movie where you're going to be on this journey or you're getting off. Yeah. Because uh, uh, I'm not saying everyone's not going to be here to the end. Uh, I just few. I can tell my cousin who likes more mainstream movies and stuff. It doesn't uh, maybe enjoy character development or right. Uh, yeah. See, this is not going to be something that intrigues him. He's going to be asking too many questions. He's going to be right. Why? Holes. Why the? What? You know? Come on. Why is Ad Rock going to all these motel nights? Right. Like, right. No. And if you sit back and it's a ninety-minute movie, how difficult is it to sit back? <laughs> And wait, you'll get the answer. Um, right. So, but the weird thing about Sam is he shows up at Joe's apartment just firing off fireworks. Like that has nothing to do with Motel Nines or whatever. I mean, it's just telling you. I mean, it's solely for the audience to tell them, like, yeah, this is going to mean something. And so, and you are Joe in that moment too, because yeah. because uh, Sam's literally, I think, on a route, almost like a. If not he's, on a rooftop, on a separate he, he, building, like, shooting off uh, Roman candles, yeah, and ha- and having a time of his life, and then he connects side with Joe, and he he immediately turns into a kid that's built milk. Like he's like, oh no, what I do? Right. And they connect the eyes, and he's on the phone, like, and you're in there with him, like, what is this? Mm-hmm. So immediately you're intrigued with Joe, yeah, uh, about every, all the things he's doing right now. So in that case of point, it hooked me uh, right. right there. Yeah. Um, as for Angie, you it takes a few more calls before you realize she's trying to get in Joe's pants. Um, well, it, it, by true. giving 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 him like, oh, well, here's all you know. Why pay for a stranger's funeral? Oh, 
you need sick days. Well, I can throw a few of those on you. <laughs> it's amazing how this movie from 1992 can do more women character development over a voiceover phone than Wonder Woman can do in two and a half hours in the newest movie. Okay, uh, I was about to like, say, I was I, first running in the newest bad. movie. Yeah, now, the first movie really cool. The newest movie that kind of went a little off board i didn't like it as much because they didn't stay true to the character yeah but i it's amazing how much you learn from this lady and it's not uh just from the phone call she has with joe throughout the trip yeah um so basically you get to joe picking up the picking up the ashes from before they could get thrown out and he just goes on his bike and starts riding for el dorado nevada and um he stops at a motel night in Barstow, California. And did you catch the commercial? Oh, shoot. And he first popped in, and it was a commercial, and I thought it was so 90s. It was a postman joke. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, the postal postman blew shooting. up or right. something. It, like, right. He was, he was late. He was putting mail bombs in the uh, post, the, uh, mailboxes of people who ever responded court to his correspondence from Planned Parenthood and then he blows yeah. himself up which is immediately I was like what <laughs> which well no and that's that's a true statement in the 90s because I was really the oh, only yeah, 100% that's the for there uh, well I mean we we definitely had all the uh like um postman shootings in the 90s but um when you add in the uh anti-abortion thing it's like well that was the only thing i think we were worried that george hw bush was gonna do was gonna do was work to well they throw in um like uh every once in a while weird drug psa so like oh, now that you're talking right it might be a... just to overturn and all that ridiculous uh fear that maybe they were installed like look at this and maybe hyper bringing all those stories up to 11 yes because, uh, uh to the point to their ridiculous of nature right and uh i mean that even goes to um when you say the drug psas well so we'll get to that um yeah so so Sam... I'm, sorry, I'm sorry this I, i'll stick with you on this i'm sorry i get too yeah. excited this it's uh I, I feel like I'm Charlie Day and that me behind me. I'm trying yeah, to tell the, you like what well, the, the red, the red lines behind and me. everything. So at, at the Barstow uh, Motel Nine, uh, as a former hospitality professional, horrible hospitality um, by the manager, and I think uh, it's it's cool when John Doe checks out. Well, why did he take your license and your pink slip? I think it was because he was an asshole. And uh, well, yeah, no, I was I'm... reading too much into it at this time. Cause that's what I was thinking after the PSA, I thought this was the, the establishment saying, yeah. well, these are the rules and ethics. Means no, so it's much like, to me. yeah, it, it's so important. So I have to do this because I don't trust, like I'm not ethical. <laughs> like it was almost a, a very one of those David Spade should have played him in one right. of those. Like he, oh. he was very smarmy. I know, and, and I can I can say from hospitality, it's like I will drive your as a concierge. Um, I will drive your ass to a Walgreens to get yourself a. Uh, uh, what would I say? Um, a Visa gift card to put as a deposit. 
but again, I would offer you that, not just like uh, where. Yeah, we're just gonna hold on to cat or like all that bollocks. So took his pink slip to his bike too. Yeah, right. No, and like yeah, no, I'd punch a mother f- smegger in the face over that one. Um, well, yeah. Uh, the big thing was he wanted to be on the first floor, and he's like, "We can't. We like to." Oh no, that ass. one is like, yeah, no, that's total bullshit. I can always. <laughs> the guy's like, he puts him on the second floor because there's already one guy on the bottom floor. No, I, yeah, no, I, I definitely know how to work around all that stuff. There's six years <laughs> in that field. No, it's like, yeah, the last thing you need is waking up in the morning and hearing like, oh, and the guy before you was an asshole, but you get. um of course, you have um, Ad Rock Sam, and he's just pitching a fit about everything wrong with the room. And I get that. Believe me, I I, I hate this. I I do my best never to say a thing. And whenever I stay after working for four four or five star hotels for two for six years, um, but so Sam knows Joe. Obviously, Joe knows Sam. They don't know how they know each other, but. And Sam, I get a lot of like I was getting a lot of, and it was a more of a paranoia. Like, oh no, we are not going with this bullshit angle of the long lost son. I hope. Oh, okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, um, I was so I've been I've traveled a lot, uh, just doing comedy and and being in a lot of truck stops. So when he came up. I immediately got the vibe like um, he just needed someone. Oh like, no! I oh I like, so a, I was hoping that so I immediately was for like, six years. So yeah, I oh, totally you, know. you see yeah. you see it. Yeah. So like I immediately took that route. But now that you put on that side, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm glad that that wasn't a possibility, and they <laughs> stuck with this the latter for sure. Because uh, I don't know if that necessarily would have been. I don't know if that would have fit the themes as well, or right. at least the non-themes. It would have made too much. Yeah, too much. In too, my eyes. It, yeah, if you're writing, if you're writing yourself a uh, a story about morals and responsibilities, which this is not. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'd be the long lost son, but it it but thankfully it's not. Uh, so Sam is fascinated by joe he even buys his own motorcycle on a whim for the most part just so he could travel with joe and we get to his obsession with motel nines eventually and it does pay off greatly honestly i mean it's a brief moment in a bar um but um yes well yeah they tease you at first yes because you're uh they they go uh they keep coming up with they keep coming up with this blank yeah why do you why are you obsessed with motel nines and of course sam at least has his backup plan like oh i'm an inspector i'm undercover like no it's it's a classic um i mean sam is honestly like it's classic psych i don't want to say psychotic behavior but you know he he keeps looking for a reason to like justify why he sticks to a point so I guess that is borderline psychotic I had a, experience. He reminded me with a mixture, which is going to be insane that he even got this, because uh, ADHD with bipolar. Yeah, no, uh, I could, because, I could see that. Because he would get so fixated on things, but they would never finish him through, yeah. and 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 he would have his highs and lows. 
And I think that's why even like I I have my mental problems, but I relate to him so well. Yeah. But even uh, people that don't, I think, could relate to him because we've all had highs and lows. And that's right. something that's universal. Yeah, it's really just um, the only the only thing people definitely can't relate to Sam with is if they haven't accepted their own trauma in their life. Right. And once you do that, it's a very like you can't help but feel for Sam. Uh, he's he's well, and this this it, it eventually all pays off in the end again right. it, like that's that's the beauty like it is really just observations and it's kind of like honestly this movie kind of feels true to life despite all the insane characters who joe never calls insane like no this is just people <laughs> and that's how you should approach life i i think like um when you get to lynn shay um horror icon probably going to be best remembered as the roommate to Cameron Diaz in something oh, yeah. something about Mary but when you get to Celeste, that Celeste was her name yeah, I remember Celeste, that right. Celeste. Yeah. I just can't which, remember. which I had to say uh, that threw me for a loop uh, because the whole situation to get to uh, that like I don't even know how to paint the scene I, I actually remember when uh, Celeste and the barbecue shop in the middle of the desert show up, I paused it. I was like, wife, come watch this. <laughs> like, yeah. Just this uncontextualized, out of context scene. And she's like, what is this? But it is, to me, 1992 in a capsule. Yeah. Like, uh, all the fear, all the ridiculousness. Like, even when they walk into the barbecue shop in the middle of nowhere, they're uh, the PSA over the, the radio you get a little bit of. It's almost like little Easter eggs that make yeah. it intrigue me a little bit. But uh, it was what? it was something else. Uh, Celeste definitely brought to the scene, which I think adds to the realism, which yeah. it's crazy because they made the characters so outlandish but they're so developed, they seem real. Because if you've ever went on a trip, you're oh, meeting you a guy get... that talks to you too long and, yeah. and tells you his whole origin story, like it's a Marvel movie. And that's yes. kind of what happens with each person here. Right, and you don't get much develop, more development beyond, they just want to get their story out, now you know it, yep. and move on. So Sam Sam picks up a motorcycle uh, on his on his own and eventually, like... You get the code. You get the. I wouldn't say codependent. You get symbiotic. It relationship started when uh, Joe breaks down, and it's bloody Timothy Leary who picks him up off the side of the road. And there's your. There's the best PC, PSA when Sam asks, "Oh, you got that? You got that? Ch- oh, you can get that chain. Cool. Do you have any beer? I got Cristal." You got speed? No, I I have champagne. And then he goes on, you know, how speed is. Speed is for those who want to seem like they control their destiny. You know. Oh, wow. This is is the king of LSD, Timothy Leary. Um, Well, dude, now that you said that, though, it's it's opening more doors in the movie. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Because... uh, yeah, he he may, he throws a little, uh, just a little monologue, but yep. it, it has a resounding effect through the whole thing. Right. Because even then, 
because they're help, uh, he helps out Joe. Yep. Uh, gets his. Uh, they're going to get a rivet. Go back to his. Uh, I love his wording. He's going to go back to his uh, barn where he has a whole bunch of was it uh, machinery uh, paraphernalia yeah. or yeah. something like that. I was yeah. like, I've never heard that before. That was amazing. So, and even then, Joe's like, "No, get away from me, Sam." And Sam's like, "Nah, this guy's crazy." Like you said before, yeah. I'm not. I don't trust him. Yeah, and Joe's so, just like, "No, uh, like you think everyone's insane." It's the basically the thing he goes with Sam, and uh, then you get to the so Sam and Joe doesn't accept Sam until we get to the sheriff character. Who's hunting? Who's hunting down John Cusack? <laughs> He's no. made it his life goal to hunt down John Cusack, somebody who just dines and dishes, dis, yeah, dines and A dishes. A one-eyed fascist fighting john cusack yes who does it all right and he's claiming he's part of the freaking group that uh, brainwashed patty hearst like like, yeah and that's when they finally i think that's you know once they experience that character that's when they finally you get the final you get their relationship and uh what i'm really curious is i gotta go and research when did like because i know john cusack was great friends with hunter s thompson like i really want to know how that happened and like i've seen the meme um you think you're cool but you're never going to be as cool as hunter s thompson bill murray and john cusack john cusack and a blow-up doll cruising the las vegas strip together and you see an image of that yeah um, I know Bill Murray. He did the uh, he uh, obviously he portrayed Hunter S. Thompson in Where the Buffalo Roam, and then you got Johnny Depp. Yeah, Johnny Depp in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and The Rum Diaries. And it's kind of like, where the hell did John Cusack fit into this? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, That's something you'd have to research because uh, right. I know the Bill Murray one has a production side to it. Like, did he do Caddyshack so they could? finance one of those movies i uh, think so yeah it wouldn't surprise me like i'll do i think it might have been stripes even or one he was going to do one of his legendary movies if he had financing to do this one right it was really like a a heart project i wish i it's hard to kind of find uh i just randomly i did i i I own a copy on itunes so it's not you know um i probably overpaid for it of course like you know when uh, things media, when media, things are you have to get that nowadays like yeah. anything lost media sucks oh and, yeah uh, no i'm still looking for a copy of the 1995 albert peel and classic heat seeker um uh, which was um which i saw on like i think you'd see it on stars or whatever movie sites movie channels every now and then but i'm a cord cutter obviously so i'm not getting a hold of that um it's a real ridiculous movie i'm a big gary daniels fan if you know you're okay yeah british action heroes and so um well i'll throw out uh a a person i think would be in this movie don Cheadle. yes no i didn't know has a cameo i i don't know if it was a cameo at that point i think that's more one line 
<laughs> I think that's more of like the guy trying to get work at that time. Right. He was a paid actor. This yes. was his line for it. But right. before he was uh, in Iron Man. And well, I mean, the great I, stuff I we think, know him in. Right. Uh, I think Out of Sight when he finally broke out big. Steven Soderbergh. Right. Um, so, yeah. So it's like, and this goes back again as I keep going. Like the 90s did a lot to try doing weird ass road trip movies. I don't know if you've seen it. I've seen, um, I got a VHS copy. I know it was on DVD briefly. Um, the Doom Generation with Rose McGowan. Oh, no. Okay, so that, that movie is basically, that was 95, I think. And uh, Rose McGowan got a lot of uh, coverage on the Independent Spirit Awards and everything. But there's some Harvey Weinstein Stein bullshit behind it. I mean, that sucks, man. It just kind of it, it, it. You're a wrestling fan too, so it sucks that you're not even you're not even new to this. This is the dilemma of art and the person creating. Oh, the art. oh, this podcast has stood up for freaking Marty Skrull many a times. Like, I'm, <laughs> I and I and I say that I say that is like, all right, a couple of weeks, couple of weeks ago, the podcast was for the little girl who lived down the lane with uh jody foster gregory was the guest and um like okay and why are we like i know that's not a naked jody foster but why do we have stunt tits and ass and why are we uh trying to um sexualize a 14 year old never mind the fact this is done from the same this was the same year as freaking taxi driver like yeah. yeah, I mean, like no, uh, like, and then you know, I just bring because up, you can do it for art doesn't mean you should, right? And but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, with Marty Skrull, yeah. you know, it like the six the the person he had sex with says it was rape. He disputes that, but everybody just hangs is hung up with. She was 16, like, ah, uh, you know, I hate to say that, hate to say, you know, you know, it's like. Yeah, we cheered for Luke Wilson in freaking old school <laughs> after sleeping yeah. with the boss's high school daughter. Like, eh, you yeah, know. It, it, it's one of those things you'll look back and you can even look back at just media for the last 10 years and yeah. it turns cringe. Some things just, just cringe. Like, right. uh, there's a reason why the American Pie series ain't really held up as much as Animal House or something like that. Well, and I would it, I would say Animal House's House is far worse than the entire 14-year-old thing. Well, probably, too. I, I probably learned too much from Porky's that I need. Oh, gosh. Yeah, no. That too. So, like, yeah. I can't... The moment you stick your dick into a uh, shower <laughs> uh, a shower glory hole you know all bets are off (laughs) we were watching a horror movie that was pg-13 and like you said there was there was full frontal nudity and gore and i was like babe 80s pg-13 was just a different time no like uh, the rating system was just they would let anything it seemed like uh i guess that was just how i guess well i mean i don't know you could go right but i'm just saying it's like they're you know i'm not saying there's a reason why they have weird ass actual statutory laws and like yeah i i i will stand for uh you know book marty skrull like 
until you unless you get a criminal investigation he may have just been an idiot <laughs> well um, in in uh movies it always the whole roman polanski situation yeah. always boggled me because people would actually go to other countries like the ninth gate oh was a no perfect, like, well i they, my, my first uh theatrical roman polanski was the ghost rider 2010 and oh and it's okay that's honestly brilliant direction if you can get us to believe that it was shot in the shot in massachusetts <laughs> but right uh, i mean the entire point of that movie though i think and again it's weird ass shit i don't like oh no roman polanski shouldn't have done that with a 13 year old and it's like yeah but the 13 year old seems far more aware of what she was doing um and that you know i'm just saying like she the victim doesn't have the alleged victim and i'm only going alleged because she doesn't think herself as a victim uh no i knew what i was doing it's it's more about the fact that you shouldn't even you should be a you know you should restrain yourself from doing it with somebody who wants yeah. it done to them and um but uh 100%. the ghost but uh go the ghost writer is basically trying to i think it's an obvious statement saying uh yeah, I screwed a 13-year-old, but George W. Bush created a mer- started a war with no pretense. <laughs> Who's yeah. worse? Um, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, yeah, I feel you, man. I, yeah, I so it's one of those things you just go, uh, you just like why? Well, and, uh, when it when it comes to professional wrestling, look, Jerry Lawler even let people talk about it in his in memphis like oh and you're you're going to jail for sleeping with a 13 year old that was in a freaking promo i think it may have been eddie gilbert <laughs> bringing they up did it, uh, they did on a roast too, a uh, jim Cornette roast oh jeez thing uh, yeah, dropped it on it too jeez let's like yeah so we're letting jerry hang around but a guy who may have made a mistake once <laughs> Um, and it, it it even goes deeper. Again, I'm with the wrestling. I know the wrestling scene. Like David Starr was like the the first guy to get broken. And it's like, okay, have we considered Aziz Ansari kind of stuff? Like, I get trauma. I mean, I understand trauma and like stupid stuff you could be doing. But uh, well, I think this is uh what what's great about this movie is they thank show you trauma <laughs> in the right try oh. right way. Yes, like uh, oh, with Sam's character, and even in an adolescence when we meet at the very end uh, with the new female character, right? Like, um, yeah, I can't, Gloria, I, I think was her name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we uh, right now they were just uh, the cop comes say, and it's trying to catch John. Says he looks just like Sam, and yep. he pulls out the biggest Smith and what you would think Dirty Harry would blush at the sight yes. of this rifle. It is threatening Joe and all them, and that's the moment where Joe and Sam, I think, really bond. Uh, right, where, like yeah, where this an understanding. Is, it's we it's, only it's, have each other. Out right, here. exactly. It's it's the world is against us. Um. So yeah, I brought up, but June the June Generation. Um, that movie is all overly sexualized. It's Gregor Rocky, which is a director I love, but so it's basically. Rose McGowan and her boyfriend, played by Justin Long, are 
um, just doing their own thing. You got an excellent soundtrack, nine inch nails, all this, you know, 95 stuff. And then, um, they meet up with this one guy. I think the, I can't ever pronounce the actor's name, right? I think Jonathan Strach, um, who basically is portraying, I mean, is a facsimile for Satan. And they're just basically okay. going, going around the, uh, it's like, after a um, angry Korean gas station attendant was pissed, they could not pay for the, they didn't have any money to pay for the $6.66 worth of merchandise. <laughs> um, and then our Jonathan, our devil facsimile goes and tackles him and he ends up shooting if the the guy gets shot and like and then they're on the run you don't necessarily know if they're actually on the run and like dude i i remember i watched this movie yeah and uh, but it just because it i watched it once and right. it was at that time but uh i know what you're saying all right cool all right i'm on board yeah so yeah, so that's uh, that's it. So as I say, it's weird. That just tells you that. Um, well, can space I and space and this might yeah. be a little a little off, but um, it's easy for me to find independent movies. By the time I got into it, the internet was around. Oh, Sundance yeah. had a, How was it really in the '95s? I remember if it wasn't on the Sundance or IFC. Uh, and usually most of the times, like I, on my prime star DVD, like I didn't really get anything other than the mainstream stuff. Like every once in a while, maybe the the uh, video store would have something that I would want to see, but it was really hard. I had to wait till I was older to get some of these older movies off my checklist. Yeah. Because uh, So how was it back then? Did you just have to get special screenings or just Okay, or? so for me in the 90s, so I'll be 42 on next Tuesday. Um, so for me in the nineties, growing up in Morton, Illinois, 10 miles west of Peoria, but this is the most snooty community in, in the central Illinois. I don't care what, like, sorry to bad mouth Muhammad, the little burb outside of Champaign. <laughs> I get enough of their bullshit. Um, so I honestly was an asshole probably in high school when it came to counterculture. Uh, I went to high school basically because I was trying to get a wrestling scholarship. I did not care about anything. I got into anime. So I had Suncoast Suncoast, I guess was the big thing. Uh, still had VHS store, you know, tape. If you, yeah. if you, you could find video stores and that's, I think how you got everything. Uh, but I can't say independent cinema was known was a thing to the mainstream until Pulp Fiction happened and everybody complaining about Forrest Gump winning best picture over Pulp Fiction um so but once once Pulp Fiction happened then everybody's like what is this if you're if you don't want blocks block up buster bullshit which I think uh, I will say it a Maybe I'm thinking myself too mature at the time. Like, no, I can't really say this is, uh, you know, good stuff, good storytelling. Um, you started looking for this stuff. And as I say, you did it primarily through video stores. 
And eventually, I'd say by the early 2000s, like, uh, we finally got digital cable and IFC and Sundance. And then you'd see, but this is before IFC was bought by A&E. So it it was independent film channel. Oh, I, I I remember when it first came out. It was it leaned it, hard. Yeah, was, so I saw that's where I saw most of my Gregor Rocky stuff. After, I mean, I saw Splendor on I think Stars or something, um, Doom Generation. Some I remember, but it movie. Was being- it was hard for me to get into it still is a little bit uh, yeah. because uh, I was um, just w- location raised, et cetera, et cetera. But I remember watching Requiem for a Dream yeah. and remembering that director's name. And uh, Darren, Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. Yeah. Pie. His uh, right. Pie, that movie. He for, I love Darren. I, I'm sorry. Now, as soon as you said a big fan of us, uh, uh, didn't he do Birdman as well? No, that was um, Inuritu, I think it was. Um, that was, a, that was not, a. You're the. Like, you're the I'm he just did. The he guest. did. I'm he did. Funny, right. He did Pi. He then did Requiem, and then he did. Um, I'm so, sure there was something in watching... the middle of there, but then he got. He really got a lot of attention for the wrestler, then Black Swan, yeah. and then he's like the premier. Uh, guy who's What's breaking he? breaking down oh he did the fountain too didn't he yes uh, yeah the fountain uh, mother. mother yeah he did mother i lost i lost a movie job because uh they're like what movie did you want to see that summer and i was like i, I kind of want to see mother <laughs> and they're like oh and they ushered me out of the interview immediately. oh I, like, well, I guess i should have said like the marvel movie or something i don't know i, I really wanted to see it uh right right um, um so yeah that our aronofsky so it's basically like i didn't know and i would say what until i was trying to be hip and cool tarantino yeah whatever like suicide kings which is derivative of that um yeah i okay i remember now i but, yeah i remember exactly what you're saying because there was so much out, yeah and, and then that, everyone what about reservoir dogs and then you which, learned about the other one yes and then you you're learning about all this it kind of Oh no, you 100% correct. I'm only 35, but right. I was a little bit younger, but my parents also didn't care about ratings, so I watched a lot of stuff I probably yeah, shouldn't. No, have. I for me, I grew like being the uh second eldest and when your older sister has Asperger's disorder, who, you know, she functions fine, but she's pretty much like um uh, I'm not going to go and do anything to um upset anybody. So I was basically raised as the oldest child in my family and everything got looser as like, Oh, it did. You know, Russ is fine. What are we going to let, you know, what will we uh, let Ryan get away with my little sister? And then, Oh, Rand, the baby gets away with everything, at least in terms of watching stuff. It honestly, it was an inverse. It's inverse when it actually came to discipline because, Oh, I wasn't a bad kid. Oh, Ryan was, had her moments why isn't Rand getting good grades <laughs> no, no 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 it doesn't work that way but um so i it's just i appreciate that because i was always thinking like how hard it was to see 
uh, you hear of these probably like people that did have to look for these movies by like special screenings yeah and stuff like that right like as a uh, roadside profits i'll be honest with you didn't watch it when it first came out i watched oh, it no. in 2007 on i think the sundance channel yeah. at like 4 a.m in the morning and right. i was like at a nihilistic what to do with my life thing and he joe came on i was like i'm gonna ride with joe yeah and that's kind of what it was uh the stories like well it, that's it is, where i was at well it especially hit me um you know hard right now um because uh joe's 38 in the movie but it's like um this really touches on middle-aged alienation um because yeah, okay. when i like i moved from peoria to champaign urbana at um 36 and it was basically because i had kind of outgrown all my friends well i don't know if i outgrew or they outgrew me um i didn't like i was still chasing like at that time it was trying to figure out a way to get back in the get make a look i'm not a i am not a retired professional wrestler i have a bag with a weekend's worth of tights in my car at all times so if I'm called upon, I can bump. Uh, but, you know, I'm trying to figure out how do I get back into it after I had a mental breakdown over, I guess I could even relate to Joe with this. Like I went bankrupt over a heroin addict's addiction who was the best friend of the first girl I ever fell in love with. Um, so, yeah, I'm just saying that kicked the shit out of me. That killed my career wrestling wise. Um, I have a great trainer in Danny Daniels. This is the only guy I can say he's ever believed in me, despite he had his doubts and he basically put it to me like, can you do this? Yeah. And then I flake out with, because of my depression and everything. But, uh, but um, I used to, that's uh, at this time, I made up a, a kind of a saying like the, something, and it was true at the time. Maybe it was kind of just me down in my, dumps at this time but I, I i some of the biggest things in your life uh you have no choice in it evolves they just happen to you and it's how you react afterwards right the real test and that's what i i felt about joe in my situation kind of like yours but my situation was more my fault like my situation me being uh, for layman's of terms, a loser uh, that I considered myself at that time, not doing my dreams, barely making a bite, couch hopping. And all this was because of my own doing. I was responsible for it. So yeah. that was what fueled my depression was like, and that's why I felt so melancholy with Joe. Maybe not because that's what his character was, but that's what I felt my connection was with him it's like yeah dude we've all made decisions we're here we're just trying to do the best of it right so to see him as he goes and slowly potentially goes to the way of making him happy which yeah i like it doesn't show him happy right it shows him making it there and that's the realest thing about it there's yeah. no guarantee you're going to get happy but you at least should try oh right no when you're when your options is idaho alaska el dorado is the last song in the screen in the movie screams <laughs> uh but what what i'm getting at with uh joe it's like okay but i don't know i i can't i made stupid decisions i mean 
I I grew like I didn't really get a chance. I I would say I didn't really get a chance to um, properly to make mistakes. I suppose it's like uh, I was very um, basically up until I realized I was not going to be a computer engineer. Um, I just like what would uh what what decisions seem right according to everybody else. And then, then that, yeah, that's, that's my screw up. And then I get into trying to figure out adulthood on my own. Um, and so, as I say, I've, I moved from Peoria to Champaign. And it's basically because I had two options. It was Champaign or Chicago. And I thought Chicago would be too expensive. Heck, you know, then when, then when you get shootings at two of the three places you lived at, yeah. Uh, it's like, oh no, Chicago would have been fine, but and at least I would have had all my wrestling friends. Um, yeah, I thought about moving to St. Louis. I'm like, oh no, the shootings. I live in a small town right now where people are not like uh, a person yeah. got shot for AIDS at his door. Right, he thought it was a delivery guy, and a guy shot a point blank. I'm like, well, <laughs> hope I don't need to answer my door in the next yes, 25 years. Right, like, so I'm I'm just basically saying it's like I probably should have moved to Chicago, but what it, it you know i didn't know any i figured everything would be safer down in champagne basically it's just it was a choice of which areas i knew best and those were the two and, and um, uh to mirror what joe was doing uh he that's what joe he was uh if this was the movie they were they were very every character that came across that would tell a little tidbit was very all about nonconformity and yes. finding what's happy you even though if it's scary and terrifying right nobody and i think that's the biggest problem with parents for the most part is they don't want you to ever deal with anything i mean they're they're your parents they love you they don't want you to deal with anything scary or and but they can only you had good parents yeah Yeah, i I know that that was normal parents my parents did something different which has made my as a a husband and a Mm. father now a little bit different because i I am parent my parents grew up in a hard school uh no so that's why maybe i'm hard on myself so uh it was very self-discipline accountability right so like when i was down in my dumps I never blamed her. I blamed myself maybe a little too much and maybe oh. a little too hard to the point where I felt the best I could ever attain is contentness. Just me yeah. living and not being miserable. Oh no, and I and I will say that I kind of I I got two different my parents are from two different worlds. And my mom like- my mom was pretty much going to do was trying to just find that. My dad one you know wanted everything wanted wanted the world and he ended up honestly taking it and it's very so that's that's my big problem is like okay well he set such a high freaking standard <laughs> um yeah so when it comes to but as i say for me it was well that's a, uh i was supposed to be the guy that went to college yeah and, oh no uh, i was a, a, do i get his full ride i had to get my full ride no one's going to pay for my college they told me that in kindergarten we yeah. can't afford your college so if you don't want to work at this factory you're going to do that and what sucks with is that overwhelming pressure your yeah. whole school life is that one f means that's 
your future right you know or or there you can study all that but this one kid is just smarter than you yeah and you have to, there's oh, no, nothing and, you can do about it yeah no and i it, i i got a jet i got like i didn't want to end up in a champagne i because i got i was a straight a student but my sat my out. my act scores weren't any good were you know i i would do the work and pass but i didn't have the act scores like i was the smartest of the average at best dude isn't um, that the it sucks like, yeah that's what, that's that was a humbling moment for me too because i live in a small little town you know and i was always smart i didn't have to try to stay that way. i was always top five most of the time i didn't even have to show up you know and i'd still yeah. get a's but when i took my act and it came back you're average I was like, yeah. well, shit, dude, I am just a small fish in, in a, a big barrel, pond. You know? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Like, so, yeah, it just um, came to me. It's a humbling moment. Yeah. Well, for me, I was exactly like John Doe. And I would say, to yeah. the, even to the extent of, um, you know, yeah, I'd easily be able, like, um, looking for looking for somebody to connect with. And it was Dave to begin with. Like as I say, I was uh, I left I left Peoria because all my friends and they I consider them genuine friends, but they were either serving me drinks or sticking their tits in their my face. And it's like, yeah, I uh, everybody's gonna outgrow this even. And all my friends, I'd say from high school and even from wrestling, had all settled down, started families and everything. So it's like, all right, I'm not ready to do any of that. So I gotta find somewhere new and um, <laughs> yeah i was 27 still doing the joe mosley uh joe, yeah the john, the john doe because i was like dude i just want to have a good time what's so wrong with this you know trying to live you know work a little bit yeah. you know, have a little fun we all chip in on blah 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 right and uh i was living it and then it, it comes to a point where everyone grows up and you're sitting there and the couches run out like I got, you're, I'm sitting, I'm like, I stay there for two weeks. I'm getting ready to get set up. And my buddy's like, ah, oh, my girlfriend's yep. pregnant. You got to leave. Yeah. I'm like, well, you can't even be upset. Cause you're like, you understand you're 27. Right. But you, but you don't know what you want to do. And you definitely don't want to do what he's doing yeah. and what everyone else is doing. I, you see that they have a house and, and, and maybe a car paid off, but you're really not into those things. Right. You know, and, like, no, and I'm still, and truthfully, I'm, I'm doing a doing it like okay. I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> I'm I got my two cats, and it's like yeah, I'd love to find some crazy people like this. And I guess that kind of even feeds into how uh, again how um, Joe is so accepting of Sam eventually. And you have that scene where he ends up at that um, where they split up, and Sam like no, I'm going to continue on to that Motel Nine and Eli. And uh, Joe's like, uh, no, it's raining <laughs> and we're on motorcycles. And it's like, and then Joe has that um, drink with the hotel manager or whatever his position is. And it's like, no, you That's have when to- that guy basically drops what, you- like, if Joe keeps doing what he's doing, yeah. who is he going to be becoming? Right. You have, you have to find a friend. Um, so me and that, I, what what i felt funny because i'll be honest with you it was this whole time i was like 
now because you're looking at it 2002 uh i mean 2022 we're looking yep. back almost like 30 30 years, years. yeah uh, at this but uh it's because of how colorful it is and how uh and the characters are all at first until he met the strange woman and hooked up with her mm. i thought it was at all an allegory about a man tr- uh, chasing from his sexuality because the woman on the phone doesn't want no part of him. He only connects with other males and all that. Now, by the time he meets the dancer halfway through, that goes completely out of the wall. And that's when I start realizing, just have fun with the movie right. and the characters and the journey. Because I was looking too much into it. But like just how Dave and e- Dave, he kicks off. He can always seem so natural talking to other people, but when it yeah. came to women characters or something, he was running from his life. Well, he was, uh, it was mostly they, the Angie over the phone and well, then, uh, his past. But then to, to find out, he was just running from his life that yeah. he's manifested. Right, and when you look at Dave, and it kind of further further uh, helps helps that initial uh pretense you you provided like dave is playing like as i say i don't think playing you know playing video games at a strip club is a bad way to go but the fact of the matter is he's playing video games at a strip club yeah like i mean it just seemed like maybe this was the subtext like i was trying because you always hear movies i'm such a big movie guy i try to find what the director was going for maybe the tone and and that's when it finally hit me when he missed when he met and i believe her name is miss labia labia (laughs) mirage which Uh, is literally like a bond villain like a bond i think i i I, she does she does tell tell him at the when they when they uh depart finally that her name is prudence but yeah labia mirage and um but when that happened i was like okay i know what this is this is just a guy uh, on a journey right and and and, and the characters he meets along the way yeah are just uh characters that's it i'm looking too much into it and right. uh, and I once I started to like I had an enjoyable ride, but once I started doing that, I was more looking into where this journey is going to take him. And right. after he meets Labia, uh, does he meet her the the second time he picks her up on the road? And that's when they go find uh, Sam. Again, Sam, after yeah. they get separated right. after the, the rain. Yeah, yeah. Because he's that's... sitting there. Because he meets her, and then he's sitting there thinking, "Man, remember Sam?" They have a little conversation, but right. pillow talk, where he comes to the realization, "Man, like that is my friend, huh?" Yeah, you know, right? It's it's a it's a movie about it. It's actually just a movie about finding uh, finding purpose, regardless of your age. This is definitely right. leans towards the middle age, and David Carradine's a great guide at one point in regards to all of give, this. Uh, give him the maybe you can throw on that because i i uh they finally meet go to el dorado it's not what they see yeah and it's literally just like a field campground area and yeah. all of a sudden they meet man in black david Carradine playing a song mm-hmm. and he offers them to smoke out of a, a hookah yes now i don't know what substance they smoke because I, I i've smoked some weed every once in a while in high school and all that and i've never went on a trip these guys did these guys went on uh, a very magical journey where they like uh it was very they, remi- they it reminded me of uh midsummer 
like it turned into that bright. It was gray and then turned yeah, to a bright. Yeah, I, I get day. right. Um, I think it's now my experience with marijuana, and um, for me, I do I smoke about every night just to shut my brain down, and which is ironic because you can just a sheer amount of will and you can go and put yourself in this place you want to you got if you want to be somewhere marijuana can help uh and i think um the entire point is again that's like it's uh it's all a message from carity and like no dude just like it is about making sure you live your life for a reason and that's... Well, I like he even said at the end about presidencies because the guy was talking and they're kind of sober. Right, up. George Reagan. And he's like, uh, yeah, George Reagan. He's like, no, you mean George, George Bush. H. Bush. And he's like, I get him mixed up. And that was the most poignant thing he said. Yes. Like, yeah, these, these guys are going to do this and do that. You know, you can't. And right. I liked his character. I wish he did come back for the end. Because I, I uh, the rumor was he was supposed to, they had to rewrite the ending because he walked off the movie. Yeah. But I would have liked to see, like, if they were going to do kind of like a Red Dead Redemption type thing, where that he's like a man in black that's the ultimate, like, moral decider, or like, like maybe not that grim, like the Grim Reaper, but someone who was there watching. Like, I just didn't get. Uh... His character may have been just a guy that slept there on the lake, but dude, it just seems so much more than that. And I wish I could understand it. If that no, makes I, sense. I, no, I, it, it makes total sense when you have a strong character, you want more of it. And especially with da- what David Carradine represented at that point. Um, I think it's uh, the... Um, I don't know how the like to make Carradine work at the end of the movie. You'd have to have Carradine at the beginning of the movie. Uh, Like the only way I could see him working is they keep the ending the same and he just sings the song. Yeah, that 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 could have worked, but yeah, it's just basically like uh, because uh, when they when I read that part, I was like that threw me for a whole loop because Mm. then uh, uh, as you said, like. he he went for if he was there at the end he went from just a, a colorful character he met from a journey to something more and I couldn't pinpoint that right, right now I can completely wrap my head around uh, yeah he's just an awesome guy I wish he didn't leave thanks for the sleeping bags bro you know like like on the journey of this with Joe and I, Sam I I think the 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 point is that um and I think you could get it from when. Uh, Sam awakens Joe putting another wood log on the fire or trying to die the flame down. It's like, I think you get it when Sam's like, no, we got to keep doing this. And it goes back to the conversation they were having about Roman gladiators who would refuse to fight knowing that they would be crucified. And, and it's just basically, no, you got to live for something. And this is, this is what uh, Joe is supposed to live for right now is finding El Dorado and delivering the ashes of a man he hardly knew. Yeah, 100% correct. Now that you said that, makes. I, I was trying to think there was something he said during that, but it was poignant. And he said, yes, the Spartans 
because uh, Sam asked him, like, why would they do that? They know they're going to die. And it's like, yeah, but their death is going to mean something. You're right. They didn't just sit and wait for it. They went and made it worth something. And mm-hmm. that was 100% the whole story. Right. Like the fear and everything stopping you from doing this. But even if you fail, go, at least you're doing something. Right. Failing and, um... instead of sitting there waiting for death. Oh, no. I, I, like, I like to bring up how, I don't know, as a person who's dealt with clinical perfect, uh, depression, it probably is still a depressed person. Um, and probably doing my podcast juice, as I like to call the uh, Deep Eddie Cranberry at this point. Um, it's like um, I, I know I'm still dep- a depressed person. It's but I go and bust my ass every day and it comes down to like I go to bed and it's like yep all right I made the best out of it hopefully I don't wake up <laughs> like I want yeah, to feel you yeah, yeah so uh, that... my my I, I think this is maybe why this movie speaks to us in different ways too but also in a similar linear path. Like we each have our own unique takes away, but it is central theme embracing this the same way. I, I feel the same way too. Like it sucks when it sucks when you're a stand-up comic, you do podcasts, you have a beautiful wife of your dreams, you have a son, but all you feel is like you're failing them. You know, like you're just you're trying your best, but uh it feels like in my case, my depression roots from not being good enough. Yeah, my family always leaving me kind of like Sam mm. and his whole motel. My right, his yes. Yeah, so Sam's... I feel I'm the problem in every situation. So the best way to eradicate that is me to leave or to me do that. So like me, uh, it's been hard to even just consider me a valuable person to be in a relationship with, and therefore stay around and not think I'm like poisoning somehow well, in my corrupt mind and stuff. Uh, a lot of my depression comes from that and my ADHD, where I try to do so much different projects like Sam, and mm-hmm. I just can't do it. I set myself up to fail so much that when I do fail, it just, it just confirms all those thoughts in my head about that role like you're worthless or that that just keep going it just confirms that and affirms Mm. that to the point where it cycles the depression yeah where i'm at now is i'm aware of the cycle so i can break it before it happens yeah like i don't really believe in prescription medication because it never worked for me right Uh, i I had to do something different and mine was just finding out my mind is like Sam's kind of some, it's going to play tricks on me. It's mm-hmm. going to say things. And if I'm aware of that beforehand, I know what it's doing. So I yeah. will, I will like disarm its power. Sometimes it wins though, man. I ain't going to Oh lie. no, no. I, I, I understand that. Um, I, that closet, gets, that closet feels real good sometimes. It's yeah. all dark and nice. Like I'll just sit in here for right. a few days. Was it Tuesday? I don't need a shower. Till yeah. Friday. I don't have nothing happening. Well, I mean, the only thing I could suggest uh, is that, um, like, I look at my dad who wanted, like, he did a, he worked his ass off, um, could have probably ruled Caterpillar if he wanted to, but he wanted to have a family, and they were the most, and we are, we are the most important thing to him, and um, that was his, that was his goal. Uh, so for me, like. I don't know. I'm a 
I'm a person who thinks the only way to live on is to give something to the world. And uh, I don't find myself responsible enough to have children. So I'm on my, I'm on my own trying to make something out of it. And uh, you know, there's, there's points like, Oh, really wish I would have just accidentally knocked up this girl or this girl. (laughs) It's like, no, I mean, it, it's we like don't. that that would have given the you know a child would have given me a purpose i mean i've been even told like you just need a kid and that's why this movie is so good because they have those conversations yeah. with those characters in it like uh this is a perfect i wish more like it's not going to be a movie for everyone i said that many times oh uh, no it's but it's, if you're a certain male in a certain time in your life life this is yep. going to speak to you I, I don't mean to be gender specific no but, but it's, if you are it is a, I, i'll just say if you are lost and uh in a somewhat way right now and you don't yep. know where the guidance is this movie might help you just by the sheer fact that it's sympathetic right it though it's sympathetic and it just in the end our character who's lost everything to just try to pay tribute to somebody and i can even relate to that uh, as i as i go and devote devote every podcast my late best friend stacia harden and the influence she's had on me and like i gotta i gotta do her proud if anything and um yeah it's like but the the fact that matters you keep going regardless no matter what you lost he lost the only thing that really represented anything in his life in this movie uh, well see be, that's what's great about he at just, the end, he's lost everything yeah money and, monetary even purpose because he at the end they finally uh find the town they find yeah. el dorado's just the place and they find out uh, it's called jackpot instead near i think that's what it was I, uh, somehow they find they they reunite with everyone yeah. like the stars align right uh, and the they nine labia's got a show over here sam's here so they all reunite sam finally tells you what the obsession is right about the, the motel, motel nines, nines yep which is heartbreaking as oh hell, which I, I feel yeah. his parents just left him there and changed his name he just went to motel nine changed his name and banded him yeah so now he's basically going there trying to find him hopefully well and he 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 even acknowledges like yeah i know that's not gonna happen right but what else are you gonna do yeah and um but the but you know they then lo- the next I'll, well they go to the casino you know, and uh, they they, they hope you're that gonna, gonna answer yeah answer everything with a little luck they um, get a loan and we've all men who may have thought of tons of dreams i've always felt this if you've yeah. lived in a dream world you think oh yeah this plan is going to work i feel it in my oh bones. yes no they I'm... lose all their money but they're going to get a three thousand loan from yeah. the the uh, from the casino to they're keep right. playing and they're totally happy with it they're like okay like they would give them 300 grand but they're just not that big of a company so right. we'll just start with three yeah and they lose it all and have to they lose give their up bikes. their right labia has to give her 200 dollars extra yep. to make it that's we find out her name and they're still like what to do next yeah sam's and like then, hey let's uh pay respects to dave and they do and that so now yeah now they're sitting there at the high they respect they have nothing left yep and that's when the woman shows up right little gloria yep. yep and and sam can't let her go on her own yeah 
And so eventually, like, I'll call you uh, to Joe. And it's like, you can't call me. You don't know my last name. <laughs> and Joe eventually determines, well, I got to, I can't. He, he basically finds his family, finds his purpose, and ends all of his uh, middle-aged alienation. Well, hopefully, I should say. They got to get well, to Alaska first. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Gloria's like, where are you going? Like Idaho, then maybe Alaska. Yep. But let's get just out of here. Where's Idaho? And they're actually going separate ways of the highway. Right. When he gets picked up and the, and Sam's like, do I want to miss you, Joe? Yeah. It's like, don't worry about it. You know, he knows yeah. what's up. He's going to sit there in the old buck. He's like, Hey, young buck, I'm the old buck that's going to be a loner. Well, when he's finally sitting there, it realizes everything like, that's yep. him. He doesn't have to be alone. Right. He doesn't have to do this lone wolf shit anymore. Yeah. People like him. And if he if he wants to go search for him, he can. He just simply crosses the road, gets in a car going to Idaho, tells him, like, I want to go to Idaho or Alaska. And that's yep. credits roll. And uh, I thought that was the most fitting thing in the world because uh, in any situation, it, to me, it was a better castaway. If that makes yes. sense. He was sitting there with a decision, of, uh, mm. what to do, and they gave you a little bit, but it was the right, it was the right decision. Because right. in the situation, and even in life, you can't just sit there stagnant. And uh, he was going to do something new for a change. Mm. And whatever happens, happens. But at that point, that story was over. Yep. Whatever is happening from that car on is a different story. And I kind of like that. Right. Did finish it up. Yeah. So, and of course, do it in 136 minutes. Uh, well, probably only 132, but not 132, an hour 32, I should say. But um, yeah, it's just uh, it's just a narrative that I think anybody, you're, as you said, um, and I think that uh, really makes me appreciate the film more. It's like if you're if you're feeling lost at some point, and this does it better than Doom Generation, which is like. Yeah. Uh. Well, younger people. I'll just put it. That I have. Way. I have to talk about one scene because mm. it is the scene where uh, uh, Sam uh, is trying to impress Joe on the bike, and he wrecks the bike. Yeah. And then he hallucinates all the other bikers playing golf, mm-hmm. and then that's when the bikers talk to him. And I, I believe I got from it. Um, he was trying to say Sam to be true to himself. Yes. And, aspects like you're doing all this trying to just be true to yourself yeah. we know who we know we, who you are right and especially then they go like, to the shack and the barbecue place right after like this is literally he wakes up yeah sees a shack, right. grown, do you have a crankshaft for a 57 right here Bonneville, yeah and i was that's where i was like whoa this is surreal at this point like what like i almost felt like uh the movie was going to pull something on me especially when they said the, the people had diseases like the right the main the, guy had has cancer, cancer and, and uh lynn shea had aids which which my wife was watching that part and she replied with i think both of them have aids if that's the case and yeah. I, 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 don't, I was like i don't know but i'm pretty sure because this is 1992 and that it was its peak it was yeah. very strong then uh but i'm sure they're safe and all that but it was right. definitely something well, uh, there, there's if you've seen the movie Spiral from the Book of Saw, um, I have it, not. Oh, I, 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 I if you to. if you like any of the Saw movies, any of them, yeah, you got to see it. But there's an entire bit about Chris Rock just thrown in there as he's like undercover trying to bust some drug dealers, and he's waiting to do their to uh, compete in a robbery with them, like uh, 
not compete uh to um be part of a robbery with him and he's going on a little rant because they're waiting for the other drug dealers to steal from like like forrest gump like oh man he had it rough oh man no he ended up with jenny and like oh yeah after jenny got aids like there isn't no forrest gump too like, uh yeah so i i actually got in trouble at work uh, since we're on this uh i i told people and i truly believe this forrest gump is not that good of a movie and they got real upset with me and i was like you just don't understand you're supposed to like it it's a nostalgia highlight reel of american history about a lovable loser god damn i'll give it my money now but uh, <laughs> right. uh but like it's it's a, a better christmas story in my opinion and that's my hot take like no no, uh, no there's not it's, there's forrest... it's sponsored by dr pepper yeah <laughs> like, well there you go i don't know forrest gump um i don't think you can deny it's um I think it was a summation of the end of, say, um, that era in Hollywood. Like, as they say, Ooh, okay. people people are angry that uh, Pulp Fiction didn't win Best Picture that year. And it's kind of like, well, this was kind of like Robert Zemeckis, you know, Back to the Future, yeah. uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. This is, this is the guy, like, at his strongest point, and everything works in Forrest Gump, I think. I, I can't deny well, it that it, that it works. I'm just just saying is it's really a question is what's the soul of the movie, and when you compare it to a movie like Pulp Fiction, there which Pulp Fiction, I hate to say it doesn't have a soul, and I th- but I think that's kind of the point. Um, yeah, and uh, this movie is trying to be all about soul, and it's like, yeah, but it just seems so manufactured. Like I, I don't think there's any I don't think there's necessarily any faults with Forrest Gump aside from Jenny being a total see you next Tuesday. Well, yeah. Like well, uh, that's that's kind of my thing. Like I love the movie, but when yeah. people just uh, I think No, no, it's 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 not cool. like it's it's hardly a movie worth remembering because it's too perfect. Yeah. It, it is true. it is Ronald Reagan nineteen eighty 80 the movie the, the biggest drama you have is the jenny part and everything right. else is just well, well well gee guys like he went to vietnam and came back fine yeah. <laughs> like uh, it's a little it's a little uh i think they could have darkened it up a bit but then again it would change the whole town right it so what it was yeah so it's uh, just it's just too it might it might just be too perfect a movie and when you it, said this movie roadside profits was 1992 and after I watched it again, I realized this to me was the beginning of cinema going to different directions. Oh no, and we there's, and there's, I think this might be even a precursor to uh, maybe the stuff was going because to me it doesn't well, feel like a 1992 Surf Ninjas movie yes. at all. Like this feels very like late 90s contemporary oh yeah well yes it was a it was ahead of its time i mean keep in mind people discovered reservoir dogs after pulp fiction yes so and reservoir dogs i think is 91 so it's just a um it was all getting prepped and this is the same time as the you know going back to bikini kill kathleen hannah mrs adrock 
Um, this is going back to a time where I think people knew things should change or were afraid that things were going to change for the worse. You know, that took 9-11 to solidify that. But I think there was enough, like, no, we really got to go and get ourselves out of this Reagan happiness. And um, yeah. and I would say after Clinton got in and then people were not happy with Clinton for two years, and then everything started to course correct. And then, of course, we get, um, you know, a couple of airplanes flying into buildings and then trying to fight a war with somebody who didn't actually start a war like, and all that. So, I mean, well, yeah, is, it, yeah, you put in perspective, it was before that time. Yeah. Um, but we, we were, didn't know how to be gritty. Yeah, uh, exactly. No, it, that, that's, but we almost, needed stuff like this that we didn't know how to show the emotion. Right. We were, we, we, what we were, we were discouraged from it until Clinton. Got and that might office. mirror why so much of, music videos were getting so much acclaim then because they yeah. were maybe the only, the the only voice yeah the, the only voice of protest right uh, yeah so well see i like this movie because it felt like a very i'm gonna i'm gonna sound stupid for saying but a silent protest of conformity oh yeah it, no it wasn't long. no it's it a middle-aged people like uh we uh to me because these kids uh, well I mean, no you you nailed it by just saying the middle-aged people it's like the youth is always going to at least if they're smart is always going to protest the the current situation it's when you get people like john doe basically again and a guy who had been protesting since reagan and then he's, he's right it, but basically like you got to keep this fight going yeah mm-hmm. see that's the thing yeah well it sucks too because um it's refreshing to see a movie like this when you you grew up with ray romano and king of the queens and yeah the only male figures that you have in your life other than the stepdads that roll in are uh lovable losers that right made fun of for 30 yep. minutes like they're just dumb right. and it's just like is that your role like i, I was raised on homer so like the biggest yeah. role model i had in cinema or just tv was dan connor from roseanne yes like lord i don't look good in flannel so this ain't <laughs> gonna work for me but uh it was refreshing at the time when i knew that's why when yeah. you posted about this uh movie i was like yeah dude i watched this because mm-hmm. I, I wanted to know if that feeling held up and today it did all and right i'm at a different point in my life where I've already, I'm kind of in like stage two of Joe Mosby. Mm-hmm. I, uh, before I watched this movie, I didn't do comedy. I didn't do podcasts. I, right. I just meddled away. Um, I went out and fi- found myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in the journey of that, I became overall happy. Now, was it ru- sunshine and rainbows? Oh, oh never it is. It was regret. Yeah. And I met a lot of colorful people along the way. And I think this and encapsulates the best you can in 90 minutes. 90 minutes right uh and that and, and as far as i can see in cinema because i'm sure there's a way they could do it better uh with cgi and all that but i just think the tone feeling and music is something that speaks to people well, uh, no matter uh what uh if you're in a certain age and time in your life well i this this movie offer uh despite all the nihilism underneath it it offers optimism and yes. that is something 
like as I say, the next movie road trip movie I think of is Doom Generation. And no, that's like everything's nihilistic and keep being nihilistic. So it's great to just realize that maybe you just gotta go and complete the freaking story, which is something that people don't want to accept, I guess. Like uh, Doom Generation, like, oh, and we're just still eating Doritos and driving along. And it's like, no, you know, you got to you got to at some point say we're going to do something. And well, just on a simple movie fact, I think this happens a lot. You need you need some sort of character development. Yes. Unless unless that's your whole point. No, this this. this is why I'm so invested because he did change. I know it wasn't, it took a while to get there and it wasn't monumental. He wasn't snapping his fingers and bringing back half the world Iron right. Man style. Yeah. But uh, he, he did, he brought back his life and his, his, no, he's he got back he, energy in his life. Yeah. So that's pretty astounding for this main character in this movie about him. Yeah. You know, like, I, I liked it. Uh, I liked it. I also, uh, at some points was uh, a little confused on the journey because of the monologue mm-hmm. of each person he brought into it. Right. But then after I listened to what they said, I realized it was a, uh, that was the point yes. that you're going to meet these character people that are going to come and go in your life. Mm-hmm. But that's, you keep going on your goal and you keep uh, finding what's right for you. Mm-hmm. It, it was nice to see uh, John Doe in a lead role too. I would yes. like to see. I wish he got to see more. I think he was a. Uh, I'm not going to throw this out. He was Keanu Reeves before Keanu Reeves, and I'll say that I can see him being the everyday man. Yeah, everyday hero man. Like uh, there's statistics saying Keanu Reeves is one of the best action stars because he looks so yeah complacent uh, that we all can be. Mm-hmm. We all throw ourselves in Keanu Reeves' shoes. I believe John Doe could have been that. Like I, yeah. I could see him taking over a lot of the Mickey Rourke. Well, uh, oh uh, yeah, acting Definitely. like um, uh, Harley Davidson, Marvel Man. Yep, I would have liked to see Don, uh, a different, John Doe. Like, yep. could have done, yeah, dude. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. It spoke to me when I was young and, and uh, when I was younger and hopeless. I think I was around twenty-three. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm thirty-five. Uh, it speaks to me in a nostalgia way of like, oh man, like, yeah, almost like uh, talking to myself. Right. No, you get the, yeah, you know, you know, you know what you know now and you just know that uh, you just tell the person beforehand, just keep on the journey and you'll get there. It's very true. Uh, I do love, uh, (laughs) they, they go to the barbecue place and uh, uh, Joe brings back leftovers. Like, oh yeah sam's like not eating none of it he's freaked out yep. he's sitting there eating ribs has the biggest yes. bag ever oh man uh i w- i would uh i guess if i was to tell anyone about this movie i'd be like if you watched uh if you're looking for something different this might be a good movie for oh you. yeah if it, you're just it, looking for a popcorn flick no this uh, is and this isn't it yeah no it's uh no, it's it's a movie that's got a message, and uh, you know what? That's a tough thing to to sell. People just want a Bravo story. For him, the message is literally mm-hmm. the lack of message to find a message. It, yeah. It's like uh, if anything, uh, running from uh, he he was running from himself to just find out a new self. Well, and uh, 
the closest the closest big budget thing you could go and say this is to would be finding nemo and just keep swimming yeah (laughs) dear lord that's the realest analogy ever oh but no albert brooks yeah uh very little bit of him it's just nemo swimming yep and you get to meet a few more colorful turtles along the way right that is very true yeah oh dude yeah and without yeah that's the perfect analogy perfect all right well i did sam ever do anything uh more after this uh, i the beastie boy like i think oh, this, the, this is this is before i think the uh, beastie boys and sabotage sabotage and so they, they did a lot of work with spike jones um with mu- music videos and spike jones become a uh tour de force in his own with movies like uh finding uh john malkovich no sorry oh, being yeah. being john malkovich um and he did Swiss uh, Army her, Man too, didn't he? I don't know if he did Swiss Army Man. I know he did adaptation. I know he did her. I'm yeah, sorry, her. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, and it, where the wild things are from? Yes, that was another one, did, right? right? So, yeah. So, I mean, basically, the BC Boys gave us uh, Spike Jones. So you can't really ask for much more from them. <laughs> I know he was it's, in the. I know. I know. Ad Rock shows up in the movie while we're young with ben stiller but um, well i know uh this is a precursor to uh, it just feels like this is a jumping a good movie to jumping pot off of a lot of things that will be popular yes or uh in the uh, going on in the 90s oh yeah like it's it's a great prototype of what was to come and uh, as I say, until uh, 9-11 happened, where then, oh, we got to be patriotic and happy for the sake of it. Yeah. Then, um, well, that uh, just on the comedy front, entertainment, it took a while for us to figure yeah. out how to entertain crowds again. Right. And it's becoming that way again, too. It always circles back because with so many things becoming people's uh, personal. Yeah. No, we don't. Uh, we don't. Like, the word, the word, it goes back to the movie Dogma where chris rock says no i don't think people should have beliefs i think they should have ideas because ideas are so much easier to change than a belief yeah and uh that's it's hard it's it's easy to poke fun of an idea right hard to for people to poke fun of beliefs yep and uh no matter what you say or do like i could be logically right all the time oh believe me i doesn't matter you know in this situation yep and uh kind of dig uh thank you for letting me talk about this oh no thanks for thanks for offering so much um i I just tried to bring some funny into it yeah and you things but this this was more this turned I hate to say it sentimentally. This movie's up there with Garden State with me. This oh, this hit, you're, this hit me you're, real spe- close you're speaking to home. my language there. Yeah, this is a movie that didn't not only was entertaining to me, but spoke to me directly oh, to where yeah. I almost like I wanted to alter my life because of it and change right. everything. Oh yeah, and rewatching it would just confirm that. So I, I was yeah. trying to be funny, but guys, this is just one of those movies that's near and dear to my heart, like right. Garden State. Yep. Oh, so, yeah. uh, I, I I tried to make light of it, but dude, it's just a good movie. Oh yeah, no, that's that's what ninety for chill. I try to make it all about, but you know, then I run into Venom. There will be carnage. So <laughs> you got well, take... dude. If you ever uh, 
if you ever want to do another one of these oh weird, definitely uh, yeah movies I, I know a few other one uh, i'll i'll recommend one here okay. don't have to have me on but uh igby goes down if you have never i've seen been it. meaning to see that one for a long time so yeah i'll definitely a big ryan philippine fan i don't know why i should say that out well loud, i would say but... well no i love the movie franklin if you've ever seen that one yeah i have that's yeah awesome. that's a that's a solid one too so uh, we'll get some time for Ryan Philippi at some point then. And uh, well, thank you very much for coming on the show again. Uh, you got your uh, podcast sports balls and. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's sports balls with a Z. Okay. Of the S's. Thank Two you. Two separate words. Mm-hmm. You can find that pretty much anywhere. You type that in, you'll find it. We're on so many different networks. I'll just sound like a pretentious ass yep. if I named them all off. Right. But yeah. uh, if you if you're on if your social media platform you like entertaining you the most, we're on it. Just type us in, you'll find some clips. All right. Very good. Well, thank you very much, Tim, for coming on the show. And uh, can't wait, can't wait to speak to you about it. Movies again. Appreciate it, man. All right, thank you. Can I hear a wahoo?